0: What does it mean to be human? What does it truly entail to live in harmony within oneself and with all life on earth? Heartfelt welcome and thank you for tuning into the One Voice podcast. I'm your host, Samuel, and with the support of the All Foundation, I'm on a mission to share the voices of visionary artists across the earth with humanity. This podcast is my humble attempt at contributing to the fostering of an evolved human consciousness. It serves as a platform for integrating and weaving together wisdom from diverse cultures, religions and traditions in the beauty of creative expression. In this episode of One Voice, I am speaking with the creative genius and Kabbalistic rabbi Shalom Lebowitz, live in his hometown Tzfat, Israel. Connecting to God is the grand theme of our conversation as always. A great musician, visionary, poet and mystic, this man knows how to harmonize his voice with that of the universe. It is my honor that I may call him a brother and for me to share his voice with all of you. May you receive the blessings of our conversation. He's a thank you Okay, everyone. So, I'm here with uh, a dear legend, a dear friend, Shalom The We're in Svat on the outlook of... Uh, Uh, Sculpture Garden and we're looking out over the Galilean hills and uh, it's a great pleasure to be here with you again three years later Sim aka in Israel we call him Shmuel brother it's such a pleasure thank you for inviting me to just share through your through your channel of course of course there was no way I was going to come all the way here without having you (laughs) because I remember last time I was here during a Shabbat meal on the Friday It was three four years ago and i you were there, and you had this incredible, radiating energy. And it's like, what's going f- through this dude? Like, what's what's what what is he on? A lot of good stuff. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of good stuff. But mm. yeah, and uh, I was just blown away. Like, wow! Thanks, he, man. He's doing some stuff really well, and he's he's got some stuff to teach this world. Thank you, brother. I
1: appreciate that a lot. Well, such an honor jumping on here, and I will just say first of all, my name is Shalom. I am a rabbi living in the mystical, magical mountainside village of Tzfat, which is located in the Upper Galilee of Israel. And before I talk a little bit about myself, I would love to just share about this magical place that we're currently yeah, sitting, yeah, I was sitting in. Sitting here, Because Tzfat is, if I had to encapsulate it in a few words, it's spirituality and creativity unleashed. And a lot of people might think that's just like some hippy-dippy-iffy talk. It is a little bit. But also, there's some very profound teachings that the mystics of Tzfat, who have been here throughout the millennia, starting 2,000 years ago with Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, the author of the imminent work of Kabbalah called the Zohar, leading towards the Arizal, Isaac Lurieff, who lived about 500 years ago. And they really just like opened up incredible gates of understanding, incredible gates of knowledge that once someone reads them, they realize that these cannot, a guy could not have made them up. The best author, J.K. Rowling, couldn't make them up. You know, Tolkien couldn't make them up. George R.R. Martin couldn't make them up. These are like, this is just profound, profound truths. That really open us up to living in a new way, that living to living in a way that is really integrative of body and spirit.
0: And uh, these are the times for the, to share that with the world. And uh, I think we're at the point where the world, the collective psyche of the human, of humanity needs it. Needs it. And I guess that's also why the universe brought me here. And to this time and to this very second where we're having these conversations for some of that to be transmitted onwards. And uh, perhaps that will touch someone else's heart and their teachings will be spread across the world in this way.
1: Yes, brother. Yes, Bezrat Hashem. You know, it's interesting because yesterday I was interviewed for a documentary that some students at the university here in Israel were making about spirituality and creativity, and specifically the mystics of Tzvat, And the woman running the documentary, she, po- she posed this question asking, do you feel like in our generation, in our day and age, it's more difficult to gain awareness and sensitivity of spirit, of intention, of mindfulness, And I had to answer that without a doubt, it has never been more difficult. And without a doubt, it has never been easier. Never been easier. And I compared it to, uh, similar to how the hippie movement sprung up in the 60s. That there was, it was just after the 40s and the 50s, the Great Depression happened in the 20s. And then people all of a sudden started getting some money. And there was affluence. And the suburban lifestyle started springing up. And suburbia, people needed two cars in a, in, a, in a single family home with a big garage and, and a very materialistic culture sprung up. Not that there's anything wrong with materialism. It's only wrong if there's just materialism. And that's what the next generation realized. They're like, one second, our parents are only focused on the material element of the world. We know there must be deeper. We grew up in it and it's not feeding us. It's not serving us. There must be deeper. And so there were so many people throughout the the 40s, 50s, and 60s um, who really went on soul quests to find spirit, to find depth, to find meaning.
0: To create community, to to do what we're doing now in many ways. Absolutely. And it it specifically blossomed
1: out of the darkness or out of the incessant drive for
0: materialism of the preceding generation. Which might also have been caused... By the traumas of the war and all of that. So that looks like a cover layer. Absolutely.
1: And I think in our time that yes, there is so much constant distraction. I know myself, like when I'm not feeling so good in my head and I like my hand will automatically pick up my phone and like automatically go to Instagram or TikTok and like automatically start scrolling. Like with the tools have never been more available for us to distract ourselves from our inner tapestry, from our own internal worlds. But because that is so prevalent, I've also never seen youth that is so dedicated to finding truth. I've never seen people that have so much drive and so much passion for finding who they really are, why they're here on this earth, and how they can utilize their individual potential in the fullest way.
0: Because it seems like we're reaching this uh, this point, this climax of kind of of human growth or like industrial growth <clears throat> where I see it as we're at a point where either something pretty radical happens from within us um, like a radical evolution of our own inner consciousness, our own way of relating to nature and to life and to to, to all that really matters in life, to the divine. And, uh, or we probably not going to be able to coexist on this planet for many more decades. No, the robots are going to take over,
1: but yeah. well, it's an interesting topic. Cause right now the, the talk in the world is AI technology and specifically there's one AI technology called chat GPT, which is like, it's able to generate articles and websites it could literally build a website for you, it could do all the coding of a website, you input what it wants. I mean, all the menial labor that people have spent years and years studying and that people have put in thousands of hours of working on, yeah. computers can already do it better. And in another couple of years, they'll be able to do it so much better. Yeah. So much better than a human could. Which really begs the question, if in a couple of years, computers are going to be able to do what we can do thousands of times better and do what we couldn't even imagine doing, what? where does the human element come into play? What's really the purpose of us in this whole cosmic game? Is it just to be more and more industrial? Is it just to advance our technology to greater and greater lengths and heights? Well, then, we're not the best at that. We were the best at bringing it up to this point, but are the our technological creations that we've created are going to far outstrip us in their potential. So then it really invites the question of what is the human really bringing forward in this whole cosmic game. And obviously it's not our capacity to be brilliant inv- innovators and inventors. And it's not our drive to be the biggest, most successful businessman. And it's not all the incessant pleasure-seeking drives. It really invites this inner understanding of what it means to be human and as we were discussing earlier, remembering
0: our deep humanity and remembering why we're here. Remembering that core essence, that core state of the Garden of Eden or like what, however you want to frame it, but that complete symbiosis, that complete harmony, that complete flow, no dissonance, no where it all just makes sense. To finalize. And, and here we are in the final days now to finalize this beautiful book. Or maybe, you know what, Shalom, you know what it struck me like? Maybe the story hasn't even started. Mm-hmm. Maybe the story of <laughs> on this planet... Maybe we're just being through, like, the first chapter. But- well, yeah, if we, if we think... If we
1: take the prediction, or I should more accurately say, say, take the assessment of how old the universe is according to current modern accounts, yeah. which is, say, it's close to 14 billion years. The Torah says it's the world was created in seven days. Um... There is a lot of uh, awesome ways to reconcile that. I pr- primarily would invite looking up the work of Arya Kaplan and the Age of the Universe. But if so, if the universe is fourteen billion years old, humanity has been around for a blink of an eye. In all that, a blink of an eye. As you say, we ha- we we haven't even wrote the introduction yet. We, we have n-
0: have not even wrote the introduction. We like, like it's like we've been on this pilot episode, and now we're at this point. Where it's like are really gonna make it on the show it's really- <laughs> and- let's see, let's see if they uh, if you know, they approve our show. CBS Right. Gets us on. Gets us on. <laughs> but this is the work now to actually make it through and to create a more beautiful world for ourselves, for our children and for all future generations. Yeah, I believe we could. I believe we could and there's you
1: know, especially online there's so much negativity. There's And there's mo- so much accessibility to imagery and videos and ideas that will really quench your inner human spirit and soul.
0: And I felt that personally as well, and probably you have as well. Definitely. <clears throat> definitely. Because when you start digging into the rabbit hole, digging into garbage, you realize like, whoa, this is a huge, huge, huge garbage can. It goes deep. It goes deep. It goes deep.
1: But you know what's even deeper? is us, is, is, is in the, within the human internal experience, the tapestry is so rich. The tapestry is so rich. If we can only allow ourselves to dig deeper than the first millimeter that we use in order to operate in this world, we, we tap into the tiniest little fragment of who we are. And through that tiny little fragment, we suppose, oh, I I know who I am. I have the fullness of who I am. Really? Do I? Because I've been distracting myself every time an uncomfortable thought comes up. What if I don't distract myself? What if I actually sit with that uncomfortable thought? What if I actually sit and sit with it and honor it? Maybe there's something really beautiful and really profound on the other end. Maybe giving myself a little bit more space to breathe and a little bit more space to think and a little bit more space to feel and stop running away from who I really am, but start leaning into who I really am. I might find so much depth and so much beauty and so much in her power beyond all comprehension. beyond our wildest dreams.
0: <laughs> it's daring, no? It's having the courage to actually do so and choosing to do so, and to face the uncomfortable questions, like you, which ultimately goes back to death. Also, it's like what's beyond this life, and a lot of the dysfunction we're seeing is we're so afraid of. What, what happens when I die? So we're trying to cling onto life, but by like avoiding death, we also stop living. So it's really reconciling these deepest aspects of, of humanity and, and being alive in this time and age. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting that you bring up death because in
1: a big way, the body is the perfect vessel for the soul. It's why the soul, the soul's frequency... Was, re- was resonant with the body. The body was the good res- antenna that was able to pick up on the frequency of the soul and or spirit or consciousness, however you want to define it, and allow it expression within this world. If the body was not a proper antenna picking up that frequency, it wouldn't be able to pick it up. So the body is a fitting vessel for the soul. And if we think about what happens to the body when a body dies, does it actually truly just disappear and dissipate? No, there's little bits of mushrooms again, little bits of mycelium that go and creep up into the body and they go and they target what nutrients it has and they break down all the nutrients of the body and reintegrate it into the earth, allowing the cycle to flow, allowing this profound symbiosis between source and emergence, source and emergence source, and emergence to keep flowing. And if it's cyclical on the material body end, why would I think anything different on the spirit end? That when death comes along, it's it's not just poof, puff a light out. Black
0: puffing.
1: Yeah, puff the magic dragon. It's not just puff the magic dragon. It There's also a cyclical nature to, to everything. And the spirit goes through this process, what the great Jewish mystics would call the hallway. But they they go through the hallway of this earth, leading to a profound chamber once they are opened and unleashed from even in a sense the shackles of the physical self. All of a sudden, the fullness of who I am allows greater expression. Death is not the end. It's just the beginning of the great adventure.
0: I think it's. I some, sometimes I say it, it's another aspect of life. It's another part of the process of life of of God of of everything. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. You know, it's really cool because in the Jewish culture, uh, there it is replete with stories of interaction with those beyond the grave, of interaction with the souls of those that have departed and when we start learning these stories a little bit more and start getting an inkling of the fact that there were those that knew had to not only receive them but consciously consciously enter higher dimensional states and in those higher dimensional states they were able to go and interact with with these spirits and these souls. Now, when we say higher dimensional states, that's like, could be a very, very iffy statement. Like, what's this dude talking about? But it's, it's actually quite simple and it's actually quite real. And if you think about it in, in one way, a dimension is a direction, is a way things can move. So in mathematics, you have the X and Y axis and the X and Y is a two dimensional state, meaning I can either go up or down or I can go right or left that's two dimensional i can i'm right here i can go along this plane up and down right and left adding the z dimension adds the dimension of depth now i can go up to the left and forward up to the right and forward i can i can move in a third dimension now according to the laws and the rules of quantum mechanics they actually only work if we don't input three dimensions, which is what we're familiar operating within. We're familiar going forward and back up down right left. but actually if you input 10 dimensions, that's actually when when the mathematical equations actually make sense. So there's actually 10 different dimensions and there are many many other ways we can travel that are not that are not forward or backward or up and down or right or left. there's there's another way we can go. And from my personal experience, both through my own mindfulness practice and through my planned medicine usage, I have found that that other dimension and the access to those other other dimensions, again, it's not forward, backward, up, down, right, left, it is out and in. That, That going inner to the core actually opens up this space to experience ways of moving and ways of flowing ways of dancing that are unfamiliar
0: to, to... familiar to the irrational mind but when that when that door is unlocked it's it really opens up can open up our beings to the vast infinite possibilities of orientating ourselves within the psycho-spiritual body <laughs> and how mm-hmm. that actually reflects the outer Experienced outer outer reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did we get there? How did you get there, Shalom? What was the journey like?
1: How old are you now? So I'm 26. And a little bit about myself. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and I grew up in a very, very Jewish Orthodox, black and white kind of world, even though both my parents choose to, chose to become Orthodox um, throughout their 20s. Um, that was the community that I was raised in, and grew up going to yeshivas, which is, which is Jewish high school. After yeshiva, I got rabbinically ordained as a rabbi, and then I came to the Holy Land. I came to Israel, and that's when everything changed. Because even though I was a rabbi, and even though I had had, I, all I, the theories, and you know, I wouldn't say all, but but <laughs> I but, I, but I, I, I had quite a background yeah. in a lot of this knowledge. It was still cerebral. And it was still sort of theoretical, and it was still quite elusive, even though I was doing it and living it, but I didn't really feel it. And when I came to Israel, it allowed me to really see that the words that I read in a book weren't always in that book. They were in the real world. They really were. And the stories of the great sages and the great mystics that walked through and knew how to live in this three-dimensional realm, but fully, fully channeling and fully expressing the divine light, that became a, such a reality. And not that I'm anywhere close to living that fully, but what, from what little glimpses I did get, I see that it is totally a possibility. As we were talking about earlier, you can literally step into this flow of life where there's no dissonance, where there's no static of the mind, where there's no friction, where there is total harmonious flow through everything that you do. That doesn't mean difficult things don't come up, and it doesn't mean there aren't self-doubts, and it doesn't mean there isn't ego, and it doesn't mean any of that stuff doesn't exist. It means that I have the tools to navigate them. And those tools are out there. And I think one of the biggest shames is that The parents of today don't know those tools, so the kids of today are robbed from learning them. And one of my personal missions in this world is to share, first of all, music and, and these, what we call Torah, these profound truths and tips for living a life aligned
0: with the divine. A life aligned with the divine. That's it. That should be a song. I should be a son we'll turn it into one yeah because every child deserves it every human deserves it but especially our children and if if it's someone it's worth fighting for to really like that makes it worthy to really like make this evolution of our of of humanity it's for the children no? absolutely I think we would be very blessed to be where we are today absolutely brother
1: This is the time. This is the time. Let's get aligned with the divine. This is the time. Oh, this is the time. Let's get aligned with the divine. This is the time. This is the time. Let's get aligned with the divine. This is the time. This is the time. time. Let's get aligned with the divine. (laughs) This is the time this is the time let's get aligned with the divine this is the time this is the time, is the time. let's get aligned with the
0: divine a <laughs> <I> man
1: <laughs> the time, brother. I really bless myself, first of all, to to be able to not just say these words, but really live them and really feel them. And I bless every one of us that is both hearing this and anyone that's also not hearing this, which I pretty, pretty much includes everybody, to... Find some space to go in, to not run away from the internal struggles that rise up, but to lean into them, to welcome them with open arms, to say that you're you're a part of me, so welcome home. I'm not going to deny any part of myself.
0: Right. Understanding that I, I belong here. I'm indigenous to this earth. I belong here. I'm a part of this global network, this mycelium network, this web of life. I have a very important, specific role to play here. Not better or worse than anyone else. Absolutely. But it, it just makes sense. Like every tree, like every animal, like every plant, has a specific role to play in a specific ecosystem, a local and a global. So do we. Yeah. Tuning into that, and finding our own creative expressions of bring expression, which brings me to the next topic that Bella advised me to speak with you about, and that's about creative expression. Like, how can we actually let that divine flow through us and? in our creative expressions without blockages and like, really like also having the confidence to actually stand up for that because I can feel it flowing through me, but there are barriers in my mind that just it's like, nah, it's not good enough. So maybe you can share a bit.
1: Well, first of all, just spend some time being super wacky with it and getting really weird and just being far out. Because once you just go, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden we're doing weird stuff and just like okay I could release any of that tension that's holding me back from I can release any of that tension that's holding me back from creating even if it doesn't sound perfect like those sounds that came out of my mouth a second ago yeah. I, nece- I wouldn't necessarily go press play on Spotify but it's still part of me and it's still just and perfect as it is so first getting weird with it and being okay to be a little bit weird is huge in the creative process and letting your body dance in new funny ways and and allowing yourself to get funky, first of all, just opens up so much internal permission. Yeah. Neurologically, it allows your brain to understand that this is okay and this is safe to be weird and I am, no one's coming after me and going to kill me if I'm weird and if people judge me a little bit differently, not going to kill me. That's okay. And it actually might just be the very thing that enlivens me. Um, so that's number one. The other one is, not to get too heady with it, but the Kabbalistic tree of life, the Sfirot, is basically the Jewish chakras. It, it, it's actually a system that's thousands of years old. Um, and it its essential purpose is base, both to give us the, the flow of energy of how you go from infinite creator, to finite creation, because this world is defined by finitude. You are three feet away from me. I am, we are 10 feet away from the camera. Those mountains are 2000 feet away, whatever it may be. So we're we're in in a world that's defined by limitation. We're in a world that's defined by boundaries. Now, if if I have a little candle and a floodlight comes and shines on that little candle, wouldn't that, that light of that little candle just gets washed away? So how do I go from infinite creator, this huge floodlight? How can I hold my individual candle and still be an emergent separate being? How am I not washed away in the infinite light of the creator? So there's a very profound system called the Sfirot, the tree of life, that gives us the flow of how you go from infinite to finite. Have to learn about it. It's <laughs> so it's so beautiful and it's so deep. Yeah. Um, and this Sfirot, this tree of life... Is actually also the emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, neurological, physiological, psychological, DNA coding of humanity. Specifically humanity. And in this tree of life, now that we gave a little intro to it. In this tree of life, it literally has the raw shape of of a human. That the top three energy points are the three faculties of the intellect and the three ways that the mind processes, which are primarily a spark of idea, an expanded idea, and then an integrated idea. Next, after you have an integrated idea, when an idea is really integrated, you feel it. So after the mind, the three points of the mind, you have the six different energies of the heart, and then you have the one energy of the action. Because after I know something, it doesn't mean I'm going to feel it. And even after I know and I feel something, it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. But once I bring it all the way down from knowing to feeling and really feel it throughout all my six energy emotive points, that's when I can really actualize and really do it. But sitting above the intellect, there's actually one hidden energy point called the Keter, called the crown. And the crown, its primary energy is faith. And if faith necessitates reaching beyond the logical mind, Because if I know it, I can't believe it. And if I believe it, I don't know it. But I truly believe it. And this element of faith in Hebrew is called emunah, which is etymologically the same word as the Hebrew word for creativity. Omanut. Omanut. And tying this all back around, how do I tap into my creative process? By allowing me to transcend the mind in a little way. That whenever the mind gets a little too staticky and a little too fuzzy to take a deep breath and recognize that there's something that sits above my head, a crown energy, an energy of connecting to a greater truth beyond me. And then through recognizing that it's there, I can, as Aldous Huxley in The Doors of Perception, one of the books that started the psychedelic and the hippie movements, as he talks about, you can open the valve a little bit more. Because most of us are just getting drips and drips and drips of this higher consciousness. That just enough to allow us to function in this world. But you can open that valve a little bit more and open to get a little bit of a faster drip. And then when you allow these, these greater drips to come through, it has no other way to express itself but through creativity. It, it wants to come out of your fingers. It wants to move through your arms. It wants to sing through your voice. It, it shines out of you in every single element that you have.
0: And it's one of the most, it's made the most beautiful expression of human, human consciousness as well. Creativity.
1: Absolutely. Which ties us back to what is the human element in this, in this technological AI, artificial intelligence world? Creativity. Even though, yes, there are pictures that can draw better than most artists. AI pictures. And there are AI articles that can, that can write better than a lot of, lot of writers out there. Yet I think we're gonna see a profound return and appreciation for all human creativity. Because once we see that creativity is literally endless and possible throughout the multifacets that AI can generate, it is going to unleash and unlock this dormant creative potential inside of a human that is gonna do things that is gonna express authentic emotion that no AI that no computer, that no software or program could ever replicate.
0: Ever. 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 (laughs) Because the creator created us and inherently we we have that same capability of creating. And uh, I think once we are truly aligned with that, with this purpose of like, being custodians of taking care of this sort of earth as custodians, as caretakers of it, then the creativity can truly, truly, truly blossom.
1: Absolutely. And it just comes through and it flows. And it's, creativity is nothing that has to be forced also. It's just something that has to... Actually, I see there's two primary, two primary elements that creativity require. First of all, the space and when i say the space i mean your internal space meaning if i am scrolling through instagram i am very likely to not create a song at that same time because because there's there's in, internal external input right. and so it doesn't create the space for for internal expression so for set, number 1 is set the space meaning get rid of the distractions allow the internal to speak through forward, and the second one is the medium. There has to be some medium that you like to express through, or that you haven't yet expressed through, but that interests you to s- express through. And through combination of the space and a medium, creativity will flow so naturally.
0: And one of your your main medium is music, you no? Know, Definitely and the voice and singing. And would you like to share a little bit about that? I totally would. So I'm in a band called Shefa. I play with Shefa band. What does Shefa mean? Shefa is the Hebrew word for abundance and
1: flow and just divine blessing coming down. Anything that's drawing down from a higher place to this place is called Shefa. And in Shefa, we really really believe that we can draw down divine blessing and divine energy for ourselves and for everyone that listens to our music. And it first starts with becoming, as we're talking about the channel, to allow that creativity to come through. But our music is highly influenced by really everything from like the Grateful Dead jam band kind of hippie vibe to to ancient Jewish nigunim, which are Jewish meditative mantra music, and just this kind of fusion blend of all of it, and. Yeah, I would I just say, like, we've been having so much fun, especially with our live sound lately. It has just gone to some really weird, funky, fun places. And I think in a big way, music helps us tap in to a state of unity. Music really, really allows us to tap into a state of unity. Because, for example, if, Sam, you and I are talking at the same time, we're interrupting each other. But if you and I are singing at the same time, we're harmonizing each other. That song is the unity point of speech. That song allows speech to transcend the individual self and allows this method of speech to be shared at the same time, in the same space with other people, with no dissonance, with no interruption, just pure synergy and harmony and you feel it you i like when we have our live concerts you really feel that dynamic not just within the band members themselves but also this alive interactive dynamic between the band members and the audience and then they turn into not the audience they just become another band member and all of a sudden we're in this collective unified harmonious song together and it's when when we hit those moments these apex moments where where the band is not just the band, the band is the audience, and the audience is not just the audience, they're the band, and they're flowing, emerging into each other, that's when magic happens. That's when portals literally open.
0: Literally. like Literally. And it is, I mean, and that says so in the scriptures as well, and it's been known for years you know, like music is one of the main tools, one of the main powers that actually can penetrate through the mind. It, it's, it can be a psychedelic experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting to note that
1: classically used, or I should back up even, in biblical times, there were whole schools of prophecy. Meaning these are these are schools teaching meditative techniques. Yeah. And techniques on meditation of letters, meditation on certain sound, certain sounds, enunciation of sounds in certain patterns that allow someone to enter into this hyper-dimensional prophetic experience. And one of the essential prerequisites that these schools had was they had musicians abound, musicians everywhere. And before they would enter their prophetic states, the musicians would help guide them in to the prophetic experience. So music goes deep. Music goes all the way in. As one of my great masters and rabbis, Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, the first Rabbi of Chabad said, Speech is the pen of the mind. Music is the quill of the soul.
0: So that's also what I realized, my main instrument, or like my skill to develop in this life, is the voice, the voice, as in in writing, but also in singing and also in, in talking, as we're doing now because it is through the voice the prayer comes and especially for singing and music the prayer can really be heard and the soul can really like express itself
1: well it's cool you just said two words prayer and music now in the kabbalistic texts there's a profound correlation between two words that share the same numerology now what that essentially means is the first letter of the aleph bet The Aleph is valued at 1, the second at 2, up until 10, and then it goes from 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200, 300, 400. And so each word also has a numerical equivalent to it. The Hebrew word for song, shira, has the numerology 515, which is the exact same numerology of the Hebrew word tefillah, which means prayer. Prayer in its highest form is song
0: that's incredible that is really incredible and it's not some for me it's not an abstract concept I've experienced it absolutely here myself within these within the Jewish community I think that's the most scriptures are cool too um, and all the stories but it's through the music that it's really like it's really life.
1: yeah for anyone that's listening to this and is interested to check it out find your local Chabad house and just go there for a Friday night they'll have services and the prayers will be full of song. It'll
0: be profound. It'll be awesome. Check it out. Yeah, uh, I think the new Jewish music is is really incredible, and uh, it's nice that you keep on carrying that flame in in a new flavor, in a new. Oh yeah, we just def- we definitely add our spices to it, you know. Yeah, we gotta keep it up. Absolutely, we gotta sing more together, brother. This is what I wanted to do as well: is to learn more about the, like singing and a voice through the hebrew knowledge i'll have to come back well i have a book for you okay
1: perfect it's called inner rhythms by rabbi dove Pinson. he is a phenomenal prolific author he is profound he is deep he's like my go-to rabbi in almost any subject i want to study and he has two books one is called sound and vibration the other one is inner rhythms that both deal with the mystery of sound and the mystery of music. It's its
0: beautifully profound. Wow. Well, that's awesome. But I definitely want to sing with you. Oh, for sure. For together. sure.
1: Right, That's that's the main thing also. Like we can talk about all these spiritual ideas and concepts. And we can kind of be like a little heady about it. But the main thing is actually just getting to it. And getting in a space with people. And just being a kind person. And as the Lubavitcher Rebbe, my rabbi, the Rebbe of Chabad says. We need to do one more act of goodness and kindness in the world. Beyond any of the heady, kabbalistic, spiritual, meditative stuff, one act of goodness and kindness can transform the entire world because it'll have a butterfly effect and it will ripple. And your act of goodness and kindness will inspire someone else to do goodness. And that act will inspire another person. So yes, definitely utilize the tools that help you get aligned and help bring you to a balanced state and go up whether through the use of plant medicine or through the use of meditative techniques, go up and experience the full richness of you and do it very much with the intention to become such a conscious, such a kind and such an aware, intentional human being. So that when you interact with others and you encounter others in your life, you are you're really there with them. They're not just pawns in your in your ego trip but they're really, really other humans and valid as the other humans that they are.
0: Okay, shalom. Welcome back. So we're here in Svat, in the town of prophecy and in the town of Where Rebbes have lived, where people have lived that actually have been prophesied about these times that we live in. Absolutely so my question to you like what is this life what is the purpose of creation and what are the current times the chaotic times we live in today What what is it about what is like yeah What what is this profound times that we live in as I possibly perceive as prophetic times like in the water oh. what would you say so that's quite a huge question what is the purpose of creation so I'll address that
1: one first um I think in the beginning, some would call it God, some would call it the divine, some would call it Elohim, whatever, Jah, whatever, however you want to define it, the supernal entity was lonely because there was no other to, to interact with. It is. It was all-encompassing. It was all-inclusive. All was in the oneness. There was no beloved. There was no beloved and there was no one to love. And the... Creator wanted to love and wanted to be loved. And that's why I think humanity really comes in very powerfully in really the role of creation is because unlike animals that by and large, they act the same way across the board, no matter where they're put. Yes, they do change based upon their circumstances slightly, but but th- their inherent natural instincts are very deeply ingrained. Well, you can have two brothers that we grew up in the same family, with the same community, same upbringing, same everything. Who are just so completely different. Who are diametrically opposed, hold different things and values. The humanity has the capacity to exercise free will, and exercise our capacity to choose, unlike any other species that we're currently aware of. Which really highlights our primary role in this cosmic game of being the lover of being the beloved, being the betrothed, being that one stepping into the relationship with the divine. Because everything else is actually already in the relationship. Everything else is already part of the divine. The trees are flowing as they're meant to, and the dogs are howling as they meant to, and the ants are building their hills as they're meant to. It's only humans that can choose to act aligned or to act not aligned. And through the capacity of choice, that is what allows us To step in and actually be the lover, to be the lover to the divine, because then I'm actually choosing to enter in the relationship, which makes it a relationship. Without choice, it's no relationship. It's just coercion. So I think the meaning of why this whole thing is here is to engage in a profound relationship, both with each other and the humanity around us, with the earth around us. And primarily with the divine around us.
0: That's an incredible answer. Pretty impressive for to compile all of that in such a a short message. But yeah, we're to choose and maybe in these times more than ever to actually choose to connect with that to go beyond the surface and to actually ask these very important questions.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Well,
0: the the
1: second question you would ask is how does all that relate to this time that we currently see ourselves in? The one cure for all the maladies and ailments of our day and age is healthy connection. Is healthy connection. Because the source of all the sickness that we're experiencing is really from Detachment. If you think about it, if a body part is not properly detached to the rest of the body, it's going to get sick through connection and healthy connection that actually just returned us to a natural state, which is health. And we're living through turbulent times. And the reason why we're in turbulent times is because there is such a yearning for connection and there is such a lack of understanding of how to find that connection, of where to turn to to get that connection. So instead of instead of searching deeper, because we don't even know that the deeper could be searched, I just go on my phone and, and, and scroll and scroll and scroll and, and, and distract. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. I, I look everywhere, but within us, though.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And once we look within, we're going to find that we could actually start building a healthy connection with who we are. Start fixing our internal dialogue. And then we'll start actually having healthy relationships with the people around us. The dialogue, you'll see it. Through through the inner transformation, you're not going to have to work on your outer connections. Because the world outside is a reflection of the world inside. You are the microcosm embodied. So through healing the relationship and the connection that we have to self... All of a sudden, the relationship with the divine opens. The relationship with other humans open. Everything opens naturally. It becomes,
0: it becomes whole instead of fragments. Fragmented. Absolutely. Something We're longing for more than ever. It's, it's wholeness, no? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I would really say to the message to specifically the youth, because they're the real guarantors of the future, Don't run away from technology. Recognize it's a tool, and an awesome, powerful tool. Use it. Don't let it use you. Find who you are. Target who you are. Identify what really, really resonates as right for you. And then go for that 150%. Amen. Amen.
0: Because... A lot of the collective focus right now is being put on, is fueled with fear of what we're losing, because we are feeling, where it's pretty obvious at this point, that the things are getting dis- disintegrating, they're getting destroyed. Um, things we're taking for granted, our systems we put in place, and, and also like the social, the roles, the identities we've been playing and relating to each other, they're they're not really working anymore, and this is also perhaps why we're seeing so much fragmentation and uh, dissonance within the human species and collective. But perhaps that is also necessary for us to unite in a whole identity, in an identity that's, that that goes beyond religion or race or skin color or you know political orientation or yeah. My wife and I are closest with one another
1: after we make up from a fight after there's division after there's fragmentation and then there's rededication and recommitment we're stronger than we ever were you can imagine it like a rope you have a rope and that rope gets frayed in one area and it gets frayed and it starts getting really weak until the rope snaps what happens though once that rope snaps is you tie those two pieces together that in that place where it snapped, it will never snap again. It, because it snapped, it act and you decide to retie it, and you decide to find wholesomeness post-fragmentation, it is actually more wholesome than before you got into the fight. It is actually more aligned and more connected and more unified for having been through a process of fragmentation together. So I believe in this whole cosmic game, of why we're why we're experiencing this fragmentation, of why we're experiencing this dissonance, internal and external, is because it's really just leading us to the ultimate harmonious state. And in order to get to that ultimate harmony, we had to go through some pretty, pretty deep stuff.
0: Undoubtedly. Some some serious dysfunction, some serious suffering <laughs> to bring us where we're today, but to me it's like would creation really make humanity go through all of these thousands of years, if not longer, of dysfunction, of suffering, of also beauty, but but a lot of pain to bring us to this like climax point where we really have the potential to like go beyond the dysfunction, go beyond the suffering, go beyond the pain and really unite with the rest of of the earth in this Garden of Eden to just kind of let it all fail at this point. I can't
1: see that. So it, my... it's, it's not going to fail. It's not going to fail. I, I don't have rosy glasses on. I have real glasses on. And I really, really see that we are the living embodiment of thousands of years of prophecy. That, that in my scripture, in my book that I've been reading, my people and my tribe have been reading for thousands of years. We have talked about these days and we have been very specific about what they look like. And it looks like this. It looks like this, what we see in the world. This, first of all, this globalist agenda, this this unity of the world in a larger way, it has a positive element and it has a lot of things that are pulling people apart, but in a big, big, big way, everything that's being talked about now has been told that it will come about and I really see all of us, I see myself and you and every single one of us as torchbearers, as lightkeepers, as... These powerhouses that have so much dormant latent potential that if only we stepped into it, if only we allowed ourselves the space to actualize it, the world would be a beautiful place. And guess what? It's not a if only, it's happening. It's happening right now. There are more people waking up and becoming aware of their divine divine source and people that are becoming aware of their infinite potential and people that are becoming aware of living a life not chasing materialism, but living a life utilizing material for spiritual purpose. It is, it is happening and I see it. And for those that are, have, are on the cusp of entering that stage and awakening, awakening to that, it's not going to be easy, but nothing worthwhile is. Step through, lean into yourself, recognize that there is so much more profound
0: fire that you have deep in your belly and, and meaning in this existence and this whole scheme of, of life. I mean, the depth of being here and like actually choosing, I feel like I chose to come here to these specific times, play a specific role to learn specific things and to have all the struggles to go through everything that I've gone through. Well, we're glad to hear Sam, because we needed you. We needed you at this time. You know what Rabbi Greenberg said? He said that you're coming here as a representative of the 17 nations of the nations to learn and to study from the Jewish people and I said like whoa that's a big responsibility man like, well then he said then he said it's, it's no coincidence it's not a six six foot six two <laughs> can- <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely no you're obviously a big soul with a lot of potential and we're really all big souls but the fullness of that expression will determine how much light we bring to the world can I really lean into, lean into my fullness? Can I really step into who I fully am? And you're doing it in awesome ways. And in my little corner of the world, I'm trying to do it in the ways I can as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there, uh, so I also think a part of the mission is to bring the vision or not bring it, but awaken it in the people around it because it's like, we all have these seeds within us and, and we know that it is possible to live a life in harmony in in a more beautiful uh, world and like what is really necessary is for the collective consciousness to be focused on what we can create of the possibility of of all of this that we're going through like what is this new earth this this new paradigm this new era Uh, what is it about how do we want it to look like
1: Buckle your seatbelts,
0: killed It's, it's going to be a
1: wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but actually, that was also taught to us by the great sages. And they told us what that time does look like. It, it looks like a time where, where maybe the most symbolic imagery is the lion, where the wolf will lay with the lamb, where the wolf will lay with the lamb, where there'll be harmony between predator and prey. And you know, we're actually right now in the time of Hanukkah. And there's, we light up the menorah on Hanukkah. We, there's eight nights and we light up eight lights, as everyone I'm sure is familiar with the famous Adam Sandler song. And there's really one primary rule about the menorah, about these lights that we light, that we have no permission to use them, just to observe them. Meaning I cannot read my book by the candlelight. I cannot utilize it to cook. I can't utilize this candlelight for anything, but just to observe them. Wow! And when we realize that there's actually a flame inside of each other, there's a flame inside of every single human, I could translate that message that I am actually, I have no permission to use anyone to feed into my little ego game. I have no permission to utilize any other person for my own personal needs. All I can do is honor you and see you. That is all I have, all I have the space to do. And through seeing you and who you really are, it will allow you to see who you really are. And through you seeing who you really are, you're gonna bring it because you're gonna love that the real you. Nobody hates the real you. Everyone just hates the fake self. But the real self, when it's people tap into the real, real self of who they really are, you can't hate that. It's you, and it's and it's awesome, and it's full of light, and it's full of love, and it's full of goodness. People just hate the projection of themselves that they bring to the world. That they've been told the charade they've been told they need to keep up in order to function in this game. Dude, I hate that too. I don't want to play the game. I don't want to play charades. I wanna I wanna be authentic to who the real me is and bring that fully. A man.
0: <laughs> so that brings me to the next question as well. So I've been here. I've been spending time with the Jewish people, and I feel like there, there's there's something special within this community, and there's something very like there's something that like the flame keepers of the Jewish tradition have been able to keep alive throughout millennials, thousands of years, despite being like hunted down to different parts of the world, being subject to genocide and to all kinds of things. But they've been able to keep this essence of the tradition and and of of the wisdom alive and going to this day. And I don't think there's a, there's no coincidence about that. So my question is, do you have any thought on what, what's the Jewish kind of gift? What's this connection to the divine uh, that has been able to like be preserved and kept throughout the years? And how can that support humanity in these times? I'll tell you a story about Napoleon.
1: Napoleon, through one of his conquests, was coming through a Jewish town. And coming through this Jewish town, he saw a bunch of Jews in a synagogue wailing and crying. Now, he didn't know, but it was the day of Tisha B'Av, the day where we mourn yearly the destruction of our temple in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Yom Kippur? Tisha B'Av. Okay. Yom Kippur is more of a a personal element of, of... not, a, not of really mourning, but of profound, depth, deep connection. Okay. It's actually compared to the wedding day, but Tisha B'Av is the day where we commemorate the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Right. And Napoleon, not knowing any of this, though, he comes up to the synagogue, and, and he asks one of the Jews, what's going on? Why are all these Jews crying? Why are they being upset? What's happening? So so this one Jew tells, well, there was a temple in Jerusalem, and it was really the sacred home of, of the place where we had our connection to the divine and it was destroyed. Napoleon's like, oh my God, um, whoa, who did this? Like last year, two years ago? And they're like, no, 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 no. This was like 1,700 years ago. He's like, 1,700 years ago? You're still crying over it? (laughs) And and they said, yeah. And Napoleon said these words, profound words. He said, a nation that over millennia, is still remembering and is still holding true to that inner flame, that inner spark of this temple, of this home, will, without a doubt, see that home rebuilt. Wow. Amen. So, I would say the Jewish power, the Jewish flame, lies in the fact that it's not anything we do. It is not anything we say. It is not anything we project to the world. But it is something that we have in our core. It is a deep inner little light inside of us that is saying, I, I have to be the light to the world. Not that I'm better than anyone else. But I have to be the one
0: who welcomes the world into God's house. Like, whoa, I got this connection and I got this... Yeah, this incredible gift of connecting to Hashem and a lot of like structure and practices around it. So it has ma- it makes sense now more than ever to actually share that with a world that is literally starving. Absolutely. And and
1: again, this people people get the wrong idea of this led into the nation stuff. They think it's elitist, they think it's to the contrary. The 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 Jewish nation, according to the Torah, is called the nation of priests. Now If we think about what was the priest's role in the temple, is the priest had to be the one that loved every single tribe of the 12 tribes, and not only the 12 tribes, but the entire world. As the prophet said, that my house is a house of worship for all people. So the priest had to be the most loving, the most kind, the most considerate, the most welcoming and accepting people to to live, to exist. Because they were the ones that set the space to allow every kind of person to come into God's house, not just the Jewish nation, everybody. So, and by calling the Jewish people the nation of priests, what it's saying is it is our job to be the most kind, to be caring, to be loving, to be accepting, to be welcoming, to be non judgmental, to be the ones that show others the divine spark that already exists within them that's what it means to be led into the world not that we're elitists but we're actually meant to be the ones to to help the world to assist the world not from above but from under
0: to stoop down under and help the world rise up into its full calling and not saying that for me this is the time of integration of, of bridging as well and each religion each wisdom practice each each people play a certain part role in this cosmic Absolutely. It's not that a certain role is better than the other, and it's not that one people have only one job. Like there's priests all over the world in many different traditions, but um, like, yeah, the Jewish people are here to play a certain part. Like all people are here to play a certain part. Like I am also as an individual are here to play a certain part. Um, But there's so much confusion, and also it, it can become like a very Egoic perception of it as well. When when it's talked about, like we're the chosen people. So so we're not actually the chosen people. We're the choosing people.
1: We're the choosing people. There's a so there's a story that's brought down by the ancient sages. Where Hashem has the Torah, right? Hashem is God, the divine, and the divine enclothed his, his wisdom first of all into everything. But there's one channel in which this light came down in a really clear way where there's the least masks, where there's the least shades blocking the light. And, that, and the, I deeply believe that's called the Torah. And Hashem went to every nation and asked them, do you want the Torah? And the nations refused. And then he came to the Jewish people and said, do you want the Torah? And they chose yes. So we're not the chosen people, we're the choosing people. We're the people that, that are choosing we both chose millennia in the past, and we're choosing today and every day that it is our job to step up, and it's our job to to be the lead into the world. And guess what? The Jews are getting a lot of hate and a lot of crap in the world right now for running the banks and running the world and, and, and all of it. Um, I don't know which Jews are doing that, but they're obviously not living by Jewish values. They're definitely not, because the,
0: <laughs> the ones that are, li- at least my experience here in Sfat, being, I mean, I've never experienced more hospitality and like like in my life like it, it's it's really beautiful so it's important to segregate that as well um
1: yeah 100% that that there may be people that call themselves jews that might have jewish last names but they're not living by jewish values they're not embodying the jewish spirit and we jews it is our duty to step up into who we're meant to be because if we're not stepping up into who we're meant to be we cannot expect the world to step up into who they're meant to be. But through every person taking accountability on their own. Jewish, Jew and not Jew alike, every every human taking accountability and stepping into their own power and saying that it is my job to align myself first. You know, if you go in the airplane and they say if you're traveling with children and the cabin loses ear pressure, make sure to put on your mask first and then assist your children with air masks. Yes sir. Well guess what? Why? Because if you put on your children's mask first, you're going to fumble with it and you're going to be out of it. You're not going to even help them. You're going to get knocked out. But through putting on your mask first, through aligning yourself first, that allows you to properly go and assist the world.
0: So. this It's the work we all have to do. And also the Jewish, I mean, the Jews, Jewish nation is not perfect. And I mean, no, not even close. Bro. Not even close. And not even close. The, yeah, I think also the day, like, the whole thing with Palestine and like all the conflict is one of the most complex and messed up conflicts in the whole world. When that truly is like harmonized and in balance, like the whole world can, can really like shine as well.
1: Brother, I give you myself and everyone a blessing that we can step in to who we're meant to be and with fullness and we can embrace our individuality with open arms and we can embrace others with the fullness of who they are. Without judgment, but realizing that the unique color—the green, the blue, the orange—that you bring helps complement my my color, and that your color and my color come together to create this beautiful tapestry and this beautiful painting we call humanity, we call earth, we call life. May we recognize it. May we lean into ourselves. May we tap into the awesome, unique potential that we all have, and may we all usher in the Garden of Eden—a beautiful new world full of light, full
0: of harmony full of flow and full of joy. So much joy for ourselves and for all future generations. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> yeah, thank you for welcoming me on. This was such an honor and such a pleasure. Really good to have you here. Shalom, thank you so much for taking your time to doing this and uh, you know, blessings to your journey, blessings to Tzfaz, blessings to this, to this, this incredible place. That, you know, keeps keep doing your thing, keep spreading your light. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. Amen. Be
1: yourself. Amen. Sending so much goodness and shepherd to all you guys. Chanuka Sameah.
0: Chanuka Sameah. Okay. Much gratitude for tuning in to One Voice. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit like and subscribe, and follow us on Instagram so you never miss out on upcoming episodes, and feel free to share it with someone you love. Blessings.